The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. the sports complex on a thursday afternoon big show today we will get to some audio from sark today talking about the big matchup against oklahoma this weekend and a lot of texas versus ou talk of course we will get in uh my man joe cook from inside texas is calling into the show today to talk some more guess what texas and ou will be talking about that for all show long also we'll be making some ncaa picks for the weekend and some nfl picks my man jacob standard uh, have we figured out a new nickname? It's not Digital Wizard anymore. That was shot down by unanimous votes. No one liked it. We'll go with Digital Dog today. Anybody got a better one for us? <laughs> Tell us on the text line. Jacob Standard in studio with me today. He normally does Friday, but tomorrow we're going to have a big show with Aaron Hogan out at Terry Black's Barbecue in uh, in Dallas and some special guests out there. Rob Baber's going to join me in studio, so I thought, why don't we bring in Jacob on a Thursday and we'll get our picks out so you guys can be woefully... Uh, unprepared for your weekend <laughs> as those picks go through. Remember, you guys, join the conversation. You guys drive the show. We just try and keep it on the rails. 512-447-3776. If you've got a better name for for Jacob other than Digital Wizard or Digital Dog or whatever else we're going to call him. How you doing, Jacob? I'm doing great. Yeah, uh, after having some time to reflect on Digital Dog, I'm not sure I'm completely sold on that one either. But uh, we'll, we'll mix Master J. Here we go. He, but he's not mixing anything. <laughs> no, no. He is mixing less than I am mixing. <laughs> but it sounds cool, Patrick. It's I get, the... but you don't get a cool nickname unless you earn it. You it... are not mix master. You okay. are you are mix edit. Mix edit. Yeah, there you go. How do we find the video version of Mix Master J? I'll yeah. go with that one. But mix, I'm good, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing good. Mix, wait for something to save for two hours while you do something else <laughs> to come back and see that it failed and want to break your computer. Yeah, that's, my, that's my experience with the video editing. Yeah, my timelines get a little complex sometimes, <laughs> and so I will walk away because it's about an hour rendering process only to come back to a failed render. So, yeah, that's the uh, joys of video editing, everybody. That is, Guys, if you want to hear more about video editing, don't text in and we'll just talk about it. But if you want to talk sports, keep texting in 512-447-3776. Uh, going to be a good show today, uh, getting everything going. Remember, you can join uh, Aaron Hogan tomorrow out at Terry Black's Barbecue in Dallas. If you are going to Dallas for the game, you're going to be down there Friday night. He'll be down there with some special guests. 
having a good old time. And then tomorrow, uh, Jacob and I, or not tomorrow, sorry, Saturday, Jacob and I will be out at the Fieldhouse uh, at the crossover doing a watch party with you guys, morning show. The morning show guys will be doing the pregame uh, from 9 to 11 right here on the Horn. Uh, yeah, if you have some names. Also today, if we got this because it's Thursday, if you guys have good Texas OU jokes, if you have good Oklahoma jokes, if you got some more OU sucks because it is 504 and OU still sucks. Yeah, indeed they do. If you guys got any jokes you want to put in the text line, we'll try and put them together, and I'll see if Jacob can read them later so that I don't fumble over the words and get in trouble. for. And I don't want to get canceled, so I'll let Jacob read them. I don't want to see them beforehand, though. <laughs> you I just wanna... <laughs> yeah, I just want to blindly read it and see if I can catch the you know the parts where they're trying to get me to slip. Yeah. All right, so send those in as well, 512-447-3776. We'll get to the Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day uh, in just a little bit. Sark did speak to the media today. So we'll get you a little bit more of a preview into Texas OU as we get in. Uh, first and foremost, before even the opening statement, uh, let's go to this uh, this sound, which I think is one of the more important, one of the more uh, talked about and asked. It's five seconds of audio, but I think this is it. Uh, when Sark was asked, JT Sanders and Ryan Watts, an update on their health. Here's what Sark had to say. T looks great. He'll be he'll be good to go Saturday. I think Ryan's going to be a game time decision. So JT looks good. He's ready to go for Saturday. That's awesome. That is big news for Texas fans because that means JT Sanders is going to be in that starting lineup. It gives you that further, uh, you know, too many heads of a monster. That Oklahoma's defense is really really good. We know this defense is really really good. They're holding. They're holding teams to, uh, I think, like around 10 points a game. It's it's something that if they were able to keep this for the rest of the season, it would be a historic low in points allowed, especially for how the game has changed so much. To, to basically hold teams to 10 points a, a game in, in the Big 12 would be a, a great milestone. Now, that's also a couple weeks in the Big 12 play. They haven't started to get to – they have not played an electric offense like Texas yet. No. So, you know, you could put it on them. And when you have a JT Sanders, it opens it up that Eddie Mitchell, that Xavier Worthy, and now Jonathan Brooks coming out of that backfield. There's a lot more options for this Texas team, uh, and it, it kind of it gives you that. How do you guard everything? Yeah, no doubt. And we haven't even seen all the options yet because someone like Keelan Robinson. I mean, you're still waiting on him to get going somewhere. And yeah. the thought is that he's being saved for a special game plan. Why not this week? Yeah, I mean, you could put Keelan Robinson there because this is Oklahoma's uh, run defense is pretty stout. Yeah, uh, and the the problem is Oklahoma's run defense is stout, but we've seen in previous games. Well, okay, Wyoming's run defense was stout, and they backed off of it a lot to uh, to try and stop Quinn Ewers and try and stop when you say, well, do we want to really go full force to stop Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter or? Do we want to try and stop Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and whoever else they throw out there? Yeah, pick your poison. But that's the thing is, well, I feel like we might need a, to some extra help to stop the four that we know. <laughs> and then if they decide that they have, if that this is a game to bring a John Tay Cook out and have him run a fly route, someone that you haven't really scouted as much, we figure Brennan Thompson is going to get out there at least a play or two for Oklahoma to try, you know, see if he can get against this Oklahoma, this Texas defense that he was on last year. So maybe maybe he'll get out for a couple. But Texas has some good young wide receivers that no one's really seen. You just mentioned Keelan Robinson. It's another piece. They go, well, you, they put him out, and now they flip the ball out to him. And, you know, as good of a runner as Jonathan Brooks is and C.J. Baxter, they're not quite the receiving running backs that Keelan Robinson at least was last year. Sure. That you may be able to put him out 
and on if you're trying to bull rush Quinn Ewers and have him pop out, then maybe that's another way to go. I, I think it's so much about how many weapons you can have. Having JT Sanders uh, be available is definitely a big, uh, a big plus for Texas going into this game. Another thing Sark was asked about, though, was the running back rotation. And this is what we've talked about a little bit throughout this week and last week, and I know Rod has talked about it too. And that is Texas, like, is Sark intentionally at this point not naming Jonathan Brooks the starter and not just being like he's the guy to keep motivating Jonathan Brooks? Because it seemed to work at the beginning of the year. It seemed to work that he said, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, CJ Baxter is the guy and, and we're going to figure it out from there. I mean, would you tell him he's the starter at this point? At this point, well, no, he's the starter. He's clearly the starter now. You can't say hey, you got six hundred dollars per like you're you're dominating, but obviously you're not starter. But you are going to say you're going to share reps. Here's Sark talking about the running back rotation and still not budging. Well, I, I think first of all, competition brings out the best in all of us, and that that was hopefully my goal uh, when I got here is that we could create a really competitive roster, uh, one that. Um, Every guy knows whether you're the starter or not. The guy behind you or the two guys behind you might be as good or better than you. And, and so that, that, that hopefully pushes work ethic, that pushes commitment and discipline um, and accountability, uh, that, that pushes the mental and physical toughness that's needed to be a really good football player, um, and, and that, that pushes being a great teammate. And I think at that running back position, you know, we've got a really competitive room, um, you know, most notably with JB and, and, and CJ. But, you know, when you look at last week's game, you know, I think I think JB had 20 carries and I, I think CJ had 16 carries. And so it wasn't this huge disparity in number of carries in the game. And the fact that Jonathan was able to pop a couple runs and, and catch a screen and, and have some explosive plays where I think CJ had, you know, 70 something, almost 80 yards rushing and he caught a screen for about another 15 yards or what, or whatever it was. So the, the point being those two guys are going to play for us and um, naturally in game, you try to find those windows of who's the hot hand to feed that hand. And Hey, I, I hope, I hope we end up at the end of the year with two really good runners, because as we know in football, you're going to need them, you know, and who would have thought, you know, two and a half games into the season, CJ would be going through an injury of his of his college career and Jonathan would step in. So uh, we're fortunate. JB has earned this opportunity that he's getting right now. And um, we're, we're fired up the way he's playing and the, and the way he's, you know, he's preparing to play every Saturday. Yeah, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Not going to take it away. And I think there is something to be said of he saw what happened last year in the bowl game. And, you know, he goes, look, Jonathan Brooks is going to be great, but, man, we have to have somebody ready to go behind him because we, you know, when we kind of stuck in Bijan and Roshan left in that bowl game, it, we were scared going into week one last this year. We were scared because we didn't know we had that running back. We were hoping C.J. Baxter was going to be great. And he was a good running back, but we didn't expect to have a Jonathan Brooks. We didn't expect to have a guy demanding the position. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a good problem to have. I like the bit he was talking about in there about uh, competition. Like you should always you should always be uncomfortable with your standing on the depth chart. I think that's how you breed uh, a very successful running back room like that. When so many teams are doing a committee kind of approach, you need to have both guys or even three guys substitute in without dropping off production. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things when you look at this matchup with OU. 
that Texas has that one-year advantage on of just one more year of being ready than, than they are at OU right now, which is other than the wide receiver room, which the wide receiver room they have massive depth in. They are just loaded at wide receiver Oklahoma's. Other than that, they have, they're good at every position, but once you start to get down a little bit lower, it's a, it's a bigger drop-off than Texas, which is part of that fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter play that they've talked about so much this year is for Texas, they're being able to rotate that defense pretty willingly, and, and I don't know if OU is going to be able to rotate that defense to be able to stay fresh in the fourth quarter when Texas has been known to this season be putting it on people. So if Texas can be a fresher team because of the rotation – in the third and fourth quarter, then that means, you know, that's another edge that goes Texas' way. And OU will catch up next year. They'll go get, you know, they'll get some more recruits. They'll have some more guys in camp, and and they'll be catching up. They just feel like one year behind Texas right now, which again, last year, Texas won 49-0 a year ago. So it's not like a year a year behind us is necessarily a bad team in this rivalry game. Right? They They can still come out and surprise people. Uh, but I do think it's it's you just see that that depth is going to play it come in play for Texas on the defense especially and has already this year. Yeah, it's like we've seen already this season through the first four games or five games is uh, that the reason they're pulling away in the second half is they are the more fresh team and they're just dominating people in the second half. Yeah, it's it, it, and part of that is the run game again. And and Sark was asked about the chemistry. Of when you have a Jonathan Brooks who is able to run the ball like he has and is going to be such a factor this weekend going against a really good Oklahoma run defense. Because if you can run the ball when they're trying to stop that and then they're not allocating extra resources to the pass, then this could become an easier and easier game for Texas. And especially in the third and fourth quarter in that second half game where you're trying to, you know, if you get a 14-point lead or a 10-point lead and you're just trying to, you know, run a little bit more clock – that run game and Jonathan Brooks is so valuable at that point. Uh, Sark was asked about the chemistry between the O-line, uh, the wide receiver, just everybody on the team kind of coming together for this this run game. Here's what Sark had to say about building chemistry in the run game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the chemistry starts with um, trust in that the offensive line starts to get belief and trust in the runner that he's going to hit these runs where they're supposed to go. And then there's trust and belief in the runner that the offensive line is going to block these runs in a way that he can hit these runs where they're supposed to go. And, you know, I think that chemistry quite frankly starts with the coaches, you know, and I think about coach flood and coach banks with the, with the O line and the tight ends and that chemistry with coach choice and, and tying all that together, we've got great staff rapport. Um, these guys have a lot of fun together. They work hard together. But I think that that bleeds into the players' rapport with one another, too. They feel that. They feel when coaches are are working well together and tied together and, and communicating on the same page. And um, I think it, it all plays a part to, hey, this thing's going to work, and here's why. And when it doesn't, Okay, this is what's got to get fixed, and we'll get it fixed quickly, and and we'll probably come back to it later in the game. And that's kind of where they've been this year, which has been a different from last year. Is coming back to things and and plays that worked. They're starting to do a little bit more. They're starting to not necessarily feel the need. Sark used to have a thing where if he called a play and it worked in the first half, it was never going to be called again. And he's starting to kind of go back to simplistic ways on some of them because they're not the exact same play. He's not calling things the same way. 
So it may have a different personnel group or a different formation, but it's basically the same play. So it's showing a different look, but it's a play that worked, and he thinks it'll work again. He's going to that more than he was last year and the year before, where he really just wanted to keep throwing different looks at a guy. And and I think that that's one of the developments that's helping them out, is when they get to the fourth quarter, he can look back and go, okay, those plays are working. I don't want to do that exact same thing again. But now I can do it and switch out the personnel. And that'll give them a different look because now it's a different running back running the same play. Or I'm going to switch the, the 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 formation up a little bit. Or you know maybe we'll come in and we'll you know we'll throw another tight end into this or something like that, where you're not necessarily calling the exact same play, but it's basically the same play. I think that's been one of his his steps ahead in the game planning and preparing for calls. Uh, just and I'll play some in a second, but it's. Setting things up. I think he's done a good job of setting up some plays, and sometimes it's annoying to watch, which we all know when we see something that isn't working, and you go, why do you keep calling this play that is not working? It's necessary. You're trying to set something up. Sark was asked by our man Joe Cook uh, about a screen pass that he has been doing a lot, and he's been having some success on some of the screens, and some of them he's not. Uh, And and shout out to Joe that uh, Sark enjoys the way he rephrased uh, the – the screen pass of how he called it. So if, if you see at the beginning, it's because Joe called it something that I guess was not what it was called in the playbook. Oh. But here's Sark talking about uh, a screen pass that I know sometimes people hate the screen game. It's one of the things that got Greg Davis fired here many years ago that people, it, it gets really tiresome, especially when it's not working. And they've played a couple teams where it hasn't been great and worked well in the first half, but it does start to open up. Here's Sark talking uh, about a screen pass. I like how you describe that the spin around screen. I, I might I might name it the spin around screen. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's hey, plays off of plays, right? Um, and that that play comes off of an action that we use quite a bit in the in the play action game. And you know, we, we have to try to keep people honest in how they defend some of our play passes and our crossing routes when they're trying to punch out and get underneath them. Um, we, we, we try to have screens off of, off of our play passes to, um, keep people honest and, and in hopes that maybe that can generate an explosive as well. So, um, again, I think it's, you know, it's one thing it's design, it's another for execution. And then it's thirdly timing of the call, right. When, when you think it's the right time to, to call a screen like that, but that inevitably, when you call a screen, you're you're trying to keep people honest, um, so that they're not overplaying some of the other things that you like to do. And that's the reality: is you have to kind of set up those plays. And and last year we got on Sark a lot more because he would call one screen pass and then three deep passes to keep the. Yeah, he said one screen, we're going to keep you, and it gets two yards, and then he throws two deep passes in a row, and then he has to punt the ball. He goes, well, I set the screen. It seems like he is starting to figure out. The inside outside a little bit more. He's calling a little bit more screen plays to set up the run, because if you set up a screen to the outside and they start to move that offensive line and or the defensive line and and the linebackers, everybody starts to spread out a little bit to get a you know a firmer grasp on some of those, especially when you have bunch formations and they really think you're lining up wide receivers to block, and then you just run it up, you know, the B gap the other way and right. you just run it through the line. I think he's been setting up those really well, uh, and so and then it comes down to. Can you make the big plays? Can you make the explosive plays against an Oklahoma team? Because you're going to need those. You know, if you just try and rely completely on physicality, uh, you know, that's where errors can creep in because you're just shrinking your window of uh, your margin of victory. You're shrinking the window of, of how well you can beat this Oklahoma team. 
So you have to have some explosive plays or at least go for them at points. And something that was brought up today, Sark talked about, was Quinn Ewers on big stages. That we know Quinn Ewers against Alabama last year had a really good game until he got knocked out. Yeah. Oklahoma, of course he had a good game. And, you know, in some bigger games last season, he seemed to step up. In the big games this season, he has stepped up and played well. Here's Sark talking about Quinn on big stages and the benefit of that. No, I, I don't notice so much anything different. Um, you know, I think Quinn obviously prepares really well, uh, always does. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I'd much rather have the quarterback that can that can perform really well when the, when the lights are shining the brightest than the other way around. And so, um, you know, I appreciate I'm appreciative of that 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 he definitely shows up in these games. Um, but it's like anything, you know, we've got to have a good plan for him. Um, the players around a quarterback need to play well in game, right? It's not all about him. Uh, we need to make sure that we're playing really good complimentary football with our defense and our special teams. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, it's not always about physical ability. It's about having the mental capacity to, to be in the moment, to stay in the moment and to stay focused on the task at hand, regardless of the emotion in the game. And that's really what I think Quinn has done well is in those games where he's able to be a little bit more relaxed in the big moment because he feels like he should be there. Yeah. That he's been having, you know, he's been having good games because he can get a little bit looser in those games. He feels, I don't know if he feels that the weight isn't heavier in those games because we know that what he's, he knows what he's able to do. And he says, okay, I can go out there. I've studied harder for these. Maybe it's something where he's prepped harder because he knows it's a big game. Maybe it's just it gets his adrenaline pumping, but he does seem to look good on those big stages. I, it's, I mean, it's one of the we saw what he did last year, and part of that is you have to get on a roll. Sure. And Sark's going to try and get him on a roll early, but this is something that if Quinn Ewers can go out and have a big game and do well again this year, he's going to go. He's going to start to go down in that Texas OU lore. If he wins forty nine to zero and then comes out and has another really good game this time and they win again. Quinn Ewers starts to go down with a little bit of that that history. Well, and I think I think part of that looking calmer in the big moment is some of the, some of the stuff we saw this offseason where Quinn really yeah. took ownership of this team this yes, offseason. I mean, he you see it in his personality, the way he acts on the sidelines and all that. He's fired up after big plays. The Wyoming game, first night they had the LED show going off. He had the guys gathered up and he was getting them fired up to go win this game in the fourth because it was 10 to 10 against Wyoming. Yeah. So, I think that's a big part of it too is this is he now feels ownership of this team. He does. He definitely does. And I, I, I think that, you know, even last year in that game, you know, this is something he grew up watching. He grew up wanting to be a part of. And it feels good to be there. You know, that you know, even when you feel like you haven't achieved all of your goals, when you can go, This is something I dreamed about as a kid and now I'm doing it, you can get a little bit more satisfaction out of it. And he seems like a guy that can lean into that with the positive effects. And he's gonna get to do it again where if he goes, I could beat Oklahoma twice. Oh, That's man. something that not a lot of Texas quarterbacks get to say that they, you know, they went in and handled their business twice. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see if he could be able to do that. And it leads us in to the big fat poll of the day. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. We've talked about the OU player that was most that was most hated. You most hated in this rivalry. We've talked about the Texas player that you were most fond of. Surprisingly online, Jordan Shipley came away with that one. Thought it might have been Peter Gardere, four-time winner against Oklahoma oh, wow. quarterback. Maybe 
Maybe Stoney Clark was on there. Maybe Dicker the Kicker even. You want more recent. But Jordan Shipley comes away with the win online uh, on that poll. But this week, let's talk about the future. And we just said Quinn Ewers may be, if he goes down, he handles his business. And they go ahead and play another big game. And Quinn's 2-0. and He's looking pretty good in the, against this rivalry. But who to you is going to be the most important player for Texas against OU? Who's the one that you think can go etch their name in this rivalry? The last one in the Big 12. Who do you think that is? 512-447-3776. Who is the player? Is it is it a defensive player? Does Jalen Ford have some big plays, an interception, a sack? Is Ethan Burke, is this a game where Ethan Burke comes out and gets two or three sacks in a game and everybody goes, man, Ethan Burke, he was a good player, but man, that Oklahoma game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, or it's, you know, games. Or, yeah, or is it Byron Murphy comes out, gets a touchdown, gets a sack, gets a bump? Like, what, what player do you think you go, man, this guy is going to be – is it Xavier Worthy that he's kind of been double teamed all year long? They've been – you know, they've had to go other ways. He's gotten his yards, but he hasn't had that, you know, huge game yet. Does he come out and go down and go, man, I'm going to go get 250 against uh, against Oklahoma? What about all just, of those? I thought, but I'm just saying, who do you think is the most – who's the one that you think this is the guy, this is their time – Who's the most important guy to you that you think this is their time to go beat Oklahoma? Send that in. 512-447-3776 is the text line. We'll get to those in a minute. We come back. Joe Cook from Inside Texas going to come and break down this Texas OU matchup. You saw he's already named to play in the Texas playbook. So, you know, I don't know how many guests have that, but we'll give it to, to, to Joe Cook. He'll be on when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon here on the Horn, keeping our hate music going for Texas OU week. Just got to play some some good hate music. Oh, we've got a couple left. If you've got a good one that's better than mine, send it on the text line, 512-447-3776. Got a couple more songs to play before we get out for the week and we get to a 512 Friday. We're also asking the poll of the day, big fat poll of the day, who will be the most important player for Texas versus OU? Who could put themselves down in Texas football history in this big red river rivalry, or whatever you want to call it. I just call it Texas OU. It's much easier to call it then. Uh, on the phone with us right now, joining us in the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. He's joined us many times this season. It's always a good conversation. You can follow him at, at JosephCook89 on X, or uh, you can follow him at Inside Texas. Uh, he is a managing editor of Inside Texas right now. Joe Cook, how you doing, brother? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Patrick. Of course. Uh, so we'll start off. You did name a play in the Texas playbook today, I think, with the screen pass, the spinning. Is it a spinning screen pass? The, the, the half roll spin around screen. Okay. And uh, I think the half roll is, is industry lingo. 
Um, and I think spin around the screen was my own little take on it. That was very good. But he did bring up a good point that, you know, he has invested in the screen pass a little bit more this season than I think he has in past seasons. Is this something that, you know, we've we've criticized Sark's play calling plenty over the first two years, especially in the second half. What to you has been the biggest difference in Sark's play calling for Texas this season? <laughs> uh, the players are executing them. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's that easy when you have the – the players who can make the, the play calls work. Um, but, no, he's also, I feel like, uh, been able to uh, do some some things in the passing game that wasn't available to him last year. Uh, last year, a lot of what he uh, operated on and operated with had to focus on Ejon Robinson and, and Roshan Johnson. And, of course, it, it makes sense. Those are probably the two best players on the team, um, and that's why – uh, you know, basically the Texas offense kind of seemed to threaten the line of scrimmage and then 30 yards downfield last year. Uh, this year, now he's got a, a complete wide receiver core um, with three different players who can threaten defenses in different ways. He's got one of the best tight ends in the country. Um, and he's got a run game and, and an offensive line that can, you know, when running into honest boxes, pave lanes and create paths for uh, really good quality backs. So, um, yeah, and I think a lot of play callers would tell you, hey, you know, they're executing plays, uh, but he's diving into certain parts of the playbook that uh, he wasn't able to do last year and then really mixing it up well uh, in, in while he's doing it. Yeah, it's it, it just it seems different, but you're right. A lot of it is just kind of execution to a certain extent, and then having the weapons, adding A.D. Mitchell has definitely helped out a lot in this game. Uh, when you talk about this Oklahoma team and the defense – for Oklahoma that's been putting up really good numbers so far. Texas has had a pick your poison kind of offense all season long. What do you what do you see Oklahoma trying to do to stop this defense, you know, or stop this offense? You figure early on they're going to stick to their bread and butter, but what are some tricks that Venables might have in his up his sleeve? It's probably going to take some blitzing. Um and you know, I I've seen our, our friends over at the Oklahoma on three site suggest some exotic blitzes. Well, I've never really heard of native blitzes, so I guess they're all exotic. But um, I, I guess, you know, it's going to take extra pressure. It's going to take looks to confuse an offensive line that in some places, you know, they've played a decent amount of games, so they're still first- or second-year players or seeing their first extended action like this. Um, that's been something Texas has struggled with in the past. Uh, they've done a lot better job with it this year. But I think that's what it's going to take. I don't know if, if Oklahoma has the – you know, defensive linemen yet to really match up honestly with the Texas O-line. They've got some guys in their current recruiting class who can do it, uh, but that's the key, I feel like, um, at least as far as getting in the pass game. And that will also mess with Quinn Ewers. That will mess with his rhythm, his timing, the whole offense's timing. Um, so I, I bet Brent Venables, as opposed to last year where his, his defense didn't really understand the scheme of that three-three-five that has often messed with Steve Sarkeesian, this year they have some better players. They have, I think, a little bit of a simpler scheme, and now they have some linebacker talent to, to bring some blitzes. So I think that's what it's going to take. Yeah, hey, Joe, Jacob Standard here. Uh, since you're basically part of the Texas coaching staff now, uh, we've been kind of talking about who the most important Longhorn is going to be in this game. And so I'm kind of curious from your perspective, who's a player that we haven't quite seen a lot out of yet that you think could be poised for a pretty big game against OU because maybe we were saving them in the game plan for a game of this magnitude? You know, the, the 
I would say maybe a few weeks ago, I would say something like Keelan Robinson for this, but it just doesn't seem like he's going to be a big, huge part of the game plan this year. Maybe this is the week where it happens. Uh, we kind of just see him in, in certain situations where they need a, a gadget play and they run him in motion and do some different things with them. Uh, but we haven't seen him enough to where I think he's going to be a real threat. And maybe that's uh, the, the, the long con that Steve Sarkeesian's trying to run. Um, but if you had to give it to somebody who, um, you know, sees regular action and is, is a regular part of this offense, I mean, how can it not be Jordan Whittington? Everybody knows who uh, A.D. Mitchell is. Everybody knows who Daniel Worthy is. And now Jatavian Sanders, who Steve Sarkeesian says is going to play on Saturday, people know who he is. He's got 200-yard games. And there have not been very many 100-yard games by Texas tight ends. But Jordan Whittington's done everything right this season. Um, you know, he's, he's – Pass the throne to him. He's blocked like a um, he's blocked with with a lot of fervor, and I think this may be the time for him to get a uh, a play in the in the standard offense and make something happen and, and get a touchdown and have an Oklahoma game memory. There you go. Uh, how about we're talking to Joe Cook right now from Inside Texas, uh, Joe? We look at Oklahoma, and there's clearly one player that sticks out, and that's Dylan Gabriel. He didn't get a play in the game last year. We assume, we can't say that we know he's going to play because Texas has been surprised on game day multiple times this season without playing a starting quarterback. But assuming Dylan Gabriel gets in the game, what does Texas' game plan do to not slow Dylan Gabriel down but to get him to maybe make a mistake or not be able to take that big shots over the top and, and get that offense really rolling? Uh, they got to stay true to what their assignments are. Gabriel in some of the games and how I've watched, he's really good at Help taking and, and taking, uh, you know, looking guys off, making them go the wrong direction. And a lot of that has to do with the, the way that offense works as well. But I think you guys have heard this enough. Any, any quarterback that has pressure in his face is going to suffer and is going to, you know, see his mechanics break down. It'll probably force him out on the move. That's where guys like John A. Barron, Jalen Ford, even David Benda have to be able to track him down. And the guys behind him have to be able to stay on receivers. So, and it's always a pretty simple equation for me. If you can get pressure straight up the middle, straight in his face, and it's going to be hard, uh, hard day for for Gabriel if that happens repeatedly. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, so we know we know both of these teams can score points, right? That's not a secret. Texas is averaging thirty six. Oklahoma's at forty six. But if you had to pick a number where you felt comfortable, what's the what's the number where you feel comfortable that Texas wins the game? What? How many points do they have to score? What is this game going to be a race to? I think the numbers are different for, for Texas and Oklahoma. And, and man, I, I've, I've done a lot of talking this week, and I, I've done a lot of typing this week, and I'm sure that it sounds like, you know, I, I just don't see a path for Oklahoma. And maybe that's, you know, uh, not maybe. And, man, that's a lot different than recent years. But uh, when looking at it from a Texas perspective, I've got to think that if they can hit 30, then it's, it's a good chance that they're going to, you know, assuming no turnovers, assuming no maybe like special teams, touchdowns I'm thinking that you know it's going to take uh, just 30 points because I don't know I mean it's hard for me to envision uh, the Sooners scoring on five possessions because they're probably going to get nine maybe ten it's hard for me to see Oklahoma scoring on five possessions Uh, so I think Texas number is is 30 Uh, you know if Oklahoma starts getting up into you know 40 well then it's going to be back-to-back possessions stuff like that Um, that's a that's a tough number um 
I know I'm kind of getting off track here, but I think for Texas, if they can get to 35 points, if they can get to their season average, I think they'll be in good shape just because I don't see the Sooner offense being able to um, keep up with against the Texas defense. All right, if you had to name one player for Oklahoma that we haven't we haven't put up there, because Dylan Gabriel is the the clear forefront, then who is a player for Oklahoma that you might think this is the guy that you kind of need to watch out for because he seems poised to go against the Texas defense or a Texas offense? Uh, maybe it's Danny Stutzman, uh, their linebacker. Um, he's he's done a lot already. He's on pace to set some linebacker records at Oklahoma, and he's going to be someone all over the field. I don't I don't I don't want to say he's like their Jalen Ford because um, I think they play a little bit different. But uh, he's a guy who you know wherever the play is going, he's got to head that direction, and he heads that direction well. Um, so I, I think that's the player. You know, if they attack the passing game then he's going to have to drop in the coverage, and he's done some good stuff there. But run game, that's where he's done pretty well, and uh, where they're going to try to have him um, try, they're going to have him try to wreak some havoc in the Texas run game and come downhill and try to fill some gaps to make it tough for Texas. Joe Cook, we're talking to Joe Cook from the managing editor of Inside Texas. You can follow him on X at, at JosephCook89. You mentioned earlier, all the everything analytically, everything seems to point to Texas being able to walk away with a win in this game, which doesn't it make you feel a little bit worse about it because you say, well, if it was even and, and if it was 80-20, then maybe I'd feel a little bit better about it. But it feels like every category you look at, it kind of feels that way, which makes you feel maybe it's a little too easy and we're missing something. Is for a, for a Texas team that's had a lot going on this season, going everything. How is how is this team staying resilient and focused at a time where you know it is going to take everything to just stay on track going against Oklahoma? Because something go wrong and it can go wrong very quickly. How do you stay on track if you're Texas and not give Oklahoma a shot to get to win this game? I think you do what they said they've been doing the whole time, and that's you use this as a stop on your way to something and not your destination. You know, this team, it's always been talking about going to Arlington and winning in Arlington. Well, I mean, it's DFW Metroplex, but it's Dallas. It's not Arlington. You're not going to win the Big 12 title this weekend. And you manage to play this team again, this Oklahoma team again, in Arlington in early December. So I think they've done a pretty decent job of, of being able to overcome, you know, a lot of accolades. They've got 10 first-place votes in AP poll. they got some of these analytic things, yeah, saying it's going to be a touchdown victory and things like that. Uh, but they, they've done a good job to, of keeping their, their eyes on the prize. And to them, that prize is the Big 12 title. And they know that uh, this is just a, a, the, the midway point, the halfway point toward the uh, getting to that destination. Very good. Joseph Cook. Joe Cook from the managing editor of Inside Texas at JosephCook89 on X. You can also go follow in, at Inside Texas. Keep up with all the great stuff they do over there. It'll keep you up to date with Texas. Next week's going to be a bye week, so you want to be able to stay in touch. Then the best way to do that is to follow a guy like Joe Cook at Inside Texas because they don't take weeks off either. They go strong at it. Before I let you go, Joe, uh, we've been asking everybody who's going to be the most important player in this game today. Who is the most important player for you that you think can come out of this as the MVP for Texas and secure a win and go down in, in Texas history as a team that, you know, beats OU on the way to bigger things? I mean, it's got to be Quinn Ewers. You know, if you're the quarterback of the Longhorns and, you know, your team is able to win, and, and, and in the case of this game, 
you know, put up maybe, I don't know, 30-something points. If, if that's how it shakes out, you're going to get a lot of accolades. And granted, who knows what his, his future looks like after this year. Um, it kind of she, seems like if that's the case, he's on his way to maybe seeing his professional career start uh, in the upcoming April draft. But if you're able to do that, have two giant games, one of them being 49-0, the other one being a win, go 2-0 and in your career, uh, help help Texas win the last Big 12 version of this rivalry game. That's that's something that puts your stamp put, puts you into the history books, puts your stamp on the game, and uh, makes the the Cotton Bowl a special place for you down the line. That's true. If, I think yeah. If, if we said earlier, if Quinn Ewers can come down and get another big win against Oklahoma, then I mean that's that's a career for for the rest of your life. Even after NFL days, you can still come back, and they'll always have you back at the Cotton Bowl for this game. Joe Cook, I appreciate you joining us again this week. Always great with the information. Follow him at JosephCook89 at Inside Texas. Are you are you doing anything special for the game? I'm I'm working, but man, this is my favorite day of work every single year. Uh, I show up early, and you know what part of the time I'm I'm done working, and uh, a lot of the fans have filtered out those those lines for cuts are not very long. So I, I love this weekend, I love today, and uh, can't wait to get there on Saturday. There you go. Appreciate it, Joe. We'll have you on again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Joe Cook there, always a great uh, listen, always a great read. If you follow him online or uh, subscribe to Inside Texas and get the information there. Uh, We're asking everybody of you who are reading and subscribing to, at uh, Patrick's Big Fat Poll Day, 512-447-3776 is the text line. 512-447-3776 is the new text line if you haven't moved over to the new one. And if you haven't sent it your nickname, you can still send that. Uh, But who is going to be the most important player for Texas? against OU this week. Who's the guy that can etch their name in history? It could be a defensive player. could be an offensive player. We, uh, Joe Cook just said Quinn Ewers, but maybe this is a Jonathan Brooks game. That's my Jonathan guy. Brooks goes for 250 or something. That's my and guy. And just That's the dominates kind of again. What yes. about that? Could be that as well. Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. And also, please feel free to send in your favorite OU jokes. Uh, any Oklahoma jokes we'll take. I'm going to get Jacob to put them together and then try and read some at the end of the show, and then he'll be canceled and never allowed on air here again. Yeah, we got a couple submissions that are going to walk the line already, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll get to it. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We'll be back to read some of those texts when we come back right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7 on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon. This is not the Sunday Night Football theme. No. If you only think of it as that, you should listen to some more music. This is uh, Hate Myself for Loving You. Another hate song for you for Texas OU Week. Man. This is the song they ripped off. Or they Look, I'm sure Joan Jett got paid very well for it. So, yeah, so probably, good for her. Probably got a nice check out of yeah, that Yeah, probably one. got a nice check. The NFL's this got some deep pockets. Version set, surprisingly, better than a version written for a football game. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great Joe Jet there. We're asking you on the text line, 512-447-3776. Who is going to be the most important player for Texas versus OU this year? Who can etch their names? The annals of Cotton Bowl history, the Red River rivalry, a Red River shootout, or Red River showdown, or State Fair Street Fight, or Throwdown D- and Big D. and D-Town Throwdown. D-Town Throwdown. Yeah, the other names. I, I still I don't like I just go text OU. I don't like any of them, really. You don't? I, I don't love know. State Fair Street Fight. I, I, I think love it's, that I one think it's so good. Much. It's just so it's so long. That one's not that bad. You it's can get through it words. quick. State Fair Street Fight. Oh. You can get through it real quick. I don't know. It's, you know, for someone like me who doesn't like to talk a lot. Yeah, right? Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to your text, though. Uh, we do have uh, Rye Guy from New Mexico listening in. Shout out to Rye Guy. To Rye Guy. I have a friend who is a... Ryan who does be... He was a Rye Guy every once in a while. He's not from New Mexico, though. So. Oh. Uh, Scarlett Bird going back with the Maelstrom. She's going for that one again. She, she gave us a definition. If you scroll back up in her text, Jacob, oh, you I can see yeah. where it is and it evolves. But I, 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 I feel like it's because it sucks. And I it's get, too OU. I get where you're going. I just, it's like you were talking about a mouthful. There's way too many syllables there. There's too I many. Don't... Yeah, I get it. But I like it because it's on my same path that I like one word because Bedlam for me is the best. Bedlam is solid. It's just, it's you, good. You, you know just what it means. Yeah. You know what you're getting into. Yeah, that's a solid one. Uh, Jordan Winnington will have a good game versus OU. Uh, I hope so. We saw we heard, just heard Joe Cook say that as well. I, and look, I, Joe, Jordan Winnington has a lot of good games. Statistically, not so much. But what he does for this Texas team on plays where you just don't see him, they, how important wide receiver blocking is for this Sark offense to work. Wide receiver blocking is hugely important, and there isn't a better college football player. There may be some that are as good as him. I won't say that there's no one that is as good as him, but there's no one better than Jordan Whittington at wide receiver blocking. No, and a key part of like that position, filling that role on a team, is accepting that role. And Jay Witt has no problem being the lesser-noticed, do-everything-behind-the-scenes guy. Yes. Uh, Chief Engineer, man, Chief Engineer, along with some jokes, because I want Quinn to be playing pissed off. Love I, that. I don't, I, but he doesn't even have to play pissed off. He just needs to go out there and do what he does. Like I think Quinn this year, that's the whole thing is it's it's not proving anything to anybody. He's just going out there and playing good football, and then he's having fun doing it because they're up all the time. Yeah, but it, like you know, he's got his new way of he's focused and whatever whatever he's doing seems to be working. So don't change a thing. I will say I have noticed on a few of his touchdowns or big plays this year, Quinn always knows right where the camera's at. So there are times where you can find Quinn looking for the camera because he wants to give his little word, like when he found the parabolic mic and said, hook him. Like this. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he, he knows. Yeah. I mean, for this guy, he was, you know, when, whenever you're supposed to be the biggest star in football, like junior year of high school, Yeah, it, it, you, you learn certain things. Yeah. It's something I'll always give credit to Hulk Hogan, as much as I'm not a Hulk Hogan fan for a lot of reasons. Like what? <laughs> Hulk Hogan had this thing where if you go back and watch old like old wrestling matches and stuff, he's really good at just being like right in this corner of a frame where he knows where the shot is of the other guy. He's just stealing and shots. And he's in the background. Yeah. No, but it works because it's like he's looming over everybody. Oh. He's this guy. It's it was so, done so well, but it's also just such an ego-driven thing. Yeah. It's amazing. But so if you can do it, you could be, you know, just got to avoid those other Hulk Hogan things. Right. Well, he doesn't do it all the time. He's not always stealing the camera line. No, no. But there are, he definitely is. There are times where he is searching for it. For we, that know, we know he likes to eat his vitamins and say his prayers. Yep. So he's got that going for him. Yep. All the Quinnomaniacs out there. I don't know if that works. Quinnomaniacs. I don't know if that works. <laughs> 
Stein, I know uh, it, it probably won't happen, but I'm hoping Murphy or Sweat. If that happens, it means we won the line of scrimmage. I think we're going to win the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line is pretty good, but our defensive line, it, it, Murphy and Sweat are just killing it. What I would love about that is that means we're getting pressure on, on Dylan Gabriel. Oh, yeah. And, and so the winning the battle is, is half of it. But Dylan Gabriel gets the ball out so, so fast. So it's not the question so much of can you, can you, get, you know, win the battle, but if he's getting the ball out in you know, a second or two, you're just not going to get to him in that amount of time if anybody's standing in front of you. Like yeah. if I'm standing in front of you, it's going to take you two seconds to break both of my legs and get over and get the guy behind me. But those two seconds will buy the t- Dylan Gabriel time to get the ball out. Uh, the que- but if you can play good enough defense that those are incompletions and those are covered up and he has to go and take a second read and a third read, then you can get those big guys down there. But I- I'm with you, Stein. That would be a huge uh, a huge coup for Texas if they're able to get that secondary playing tight enough to not let guys get behind him and play tight enough to to make him not make those quick throws. Big. Or even to not have fear of the deep throw because you know you're getting home in two seconds like you're talking about. Yes. At Farrell Tex, Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks is another big one. I think that's a big one. And, yes, I am a Westwood Warrior, Farrell Tex. I am uh, class of 02. Class of 02 for Farrell. But, yes. Really now? I am a Westwood Warrior. That is Northwest Austin, where I grew up. So yes, I've been in Austin. Yeah, I, I, I'm an Austin guy from back. So yeah, and of course my I did not graduate from UT. My mom, my brother, and my my dad all graduated from UT. So I was around it all my life. Join the club. Uh, UT <laughs> told me I was a little too dumb. So <laughs> I was working for a band. It was much more fun. <laughs> uh, let's get to uh, let's get to two more of these here, and then we got a break. Uh, Nate, we can't read your text again. Every time I can't read that text, Nate. I appreciate you listening. We get a good laugh here in the studio. <laughs> we get a but... laugh in the studio, but I can't read that on the air. <laughs> and Bordreau here. Uh, with it, oh, that's a that's a uh, that one is for uh, Jacob. You got to put that one down in your. We got another joke in there. We'll get to the jokes a little bit later. Uh, Victor, voice of Nelson Field says, "I think Whittington is going to have a good game because he's due. He is really due." I'm telling you. I, Jordan Wiggins is having great games for Texas. I'm telling you he is. Statistically, I would love to see him get up there, but I will tell you this, NFL scouts don't just look at stats. Jordan Winnington, they're looking at things that he can do on the other side of the field. There is not a better pass-blocking wide receiver than Jordan Winnington, and that it means something uh, at every level of play. So Jordan Winnington is getting seen. People do love him. Sark loves him because he uses him in every play- game plan. It's just a question of can he get a few catches? I'd love to see him get one in the end zone against Texas OU. After being hit, coming back and everything, it would be great to see him get one in the end yeah, zone. Yeah, that'd be a big moment. That would be a huge moment for him. Oh, we got to take a break. We come back. We'll read more of your text. We will get into some college football picks and pro picks. Jacob will not tell you what our record is, but I guarantee you it's really, really good. Just do not bet on our picks. I'm definitely telling you our record. <laughs> we'll, oh. be, we'll be right back on the Sports Complex. Keep texting it. 512-447-3776. We'll be right back on the Sports Complex right here on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.